Perhaps the most controversial topic of discussion in our day revolves around truth. Opinions often blur the lines of an objective truth. Streaming platforms, social media, and other mediums allow individuals to project their truths upon the masses like never before. In the midst of woke, cancel culture, religious freedoms, political liberties, social injustice, we attempt to search for and reveal the truth. This is Truth Revival. All right, all right. Welcome back to Truth Revival. My name is Roman Hamilton. Today, I've got a very special group of men that's with us. Uh, I've got Brother Robert Ritchie. Robert Ritchie. Robert, tell us a little bit about you. Where are you from? Well, I'm originally from Madisonville, Tennessee, born and raised, been here my whole entire life. Uh, I'm the rabbi at the Olive Tree Messianic Fellowship in Madisonville, 128 Boring Street, olivetreemessianic.org. Oh, okay. So we're so thankful to have Brother Robert here with us. Robert and I have had a great relationship over the past several years. And also, I have a good friend of mine, Mr. Andy Nichols. Andy Nichols. Now, Andy, tell us a little bit about you. And um, Lived in Madisonville most of my life. I moved here when I was 16. Um then went off to college, stayed in Chattanooga for a while, taught down there, and then moved back up here and teach out with Roman Hamilton. Out How of, many years we've been working together? I think my five now have been there. Five years? Five years. Golly, bum. Seems like more. I know. But Andy, he's my neighbor now. <laughs> Our rooms are, are right next to each other. And we just, we have church just about every day. Anytime we right? can. <laughs> and, and we have a lot of prayer. When those kids are, <laughs> are pushing us to the edge, uh, we... We encourage one another. There's someone who couldn't be with us today, and that is Mr. Nationwide, Paul Chapman. The reason he couldn't make it was because of a family thing. Can y'all believe that? Mm-mm. He chose family over the podcast. <laughs> I can't believe it. But, Paul, uh, we love you, buddy. We miss you. Miss you. Andy was wanting to meet you. Andy said his favorite part of Truth Revival was Paul. <laughs> he has scared my chickens more times than he knows because he's had me actually shouting at the barn several times. <laughs> well, we, we love we love Paul. So so today, this episode will probably air on the 28th of December, which will be just right after Christmas. And our, our topic for today is going to be the events surrounding the nativity. So we want to kind of go with a a Christmas theme, but just focus on the miraculous occurrence of Jesus' birth. Before we got started, Andy asked us to have a word of prayer, and it got me to thinking about how commercialized Christmas has become. Yes. Would you men agree? Totally. Yes. And here's the thing about that. Everybody celebrates Christmas now. It has almost become not only a national holiday, but a global holiday. Yes, very secular. Yeah. Very, very secular. And, uh, you know, Santa Claus is front and center. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and don't you know, if there are any children listening at the moment, you might want to hit the mute button. <laughs> Parents, that is your spoiler warning. But don't you know, as children, children, especially in in America and and, and worldwide, are raised up to believe in Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. The 
the fairy tale that is Santa Claus only to, at some point when they mature, discover that Santa, Santa's not real. Parents spend hours and hours and hours setting things up, talking about Santa, hiding the elves, moving them around. And then we spend five minutes on reading Luke 2 on the first thing. You know, it's just. Guys, that was something that was always part of my family tradition was we would always get together and my grandfather would always open his Bible. Mm -hmm. And as a kid, you know, I was just so antsy and it was just, I was just like, can you hurry up, Papa? You know, can we, but he always made it a priority. But here's the thing, like, I knew that Christmas, that moment, we wasn't just trying to get our little dose of Jesus in, in that, in that moment. Mm-hmm. We lived that. My family, they raised me in church. I mean, we read our Bible together. We prayed together. So it was more a celebration of the birth of our Savior, and the presents were just were good. I mean, I'm not going to lie and say as a kid I didn't look forward to presents. I, I look forward to presents, but but now as as an adult, yeah, it, it's not so much about the presents anymore, but it's about the celebration and recognizing this time of, of the birth of our Savior, mm-hmm. and then you know the the giving the giving and exchanging. Of gifts, which Jesus said, it's more blessed to give to than to receive, yeah. and there's there's some some truth in that. Mm-hmm. But we've uh, in the midst of all this hustle and bustle, Jesus is somewhere off to the side mm-hmm. when really he needs to be front and center. Yeah. So, uh, Andy, do you have anything just real quick that you want to share about about Christmas? Maybe a favorite Christmas memory or Christmas tradition that you or your family have, or just just anything before we really take a deep dive here. I'm like you. Um, we always read Luke chapter two before we opened presents, and it was always my grandpa who read it. And I'll never forget that it was a couple years before he passed on with a video camera. Somebody recorded him reading that at Christmas. And then the very first Christmas he was gone, we watched that at, before we opened presents. And that just that one sticks with me more than anything is having him one last chance, even from beyond, to read Luke chapter two before we started. Mm. Wow. Robert, how about you? Any sp- special things that happen uh, for you, your family, and Christmas? Or any special Christmas memories that you guys have before we before we really dig in right here? Probably just gathering with family, uh, seeing family members that I hadn't seen in a while. Um, unfortunately, my family, even though we all went to church, it seems like our Christmas celebration was... A little more secular, as we talked about earlier, which has kind of molded and shaped um, my viewpoints on Christmas some today, as we will get into, I think, in this podcast. But um, yeah, there was no reading of, of Luke 2 or, or, or Scripture in general. Uh, like I said, it was more the Santa Claus, like you mentioned earlier, and the Rudolph, and lots and lots of presents. So I guess looking back at it, family was the most important thing. Uh, that we did that day since scripture was unfortunately left out. And, and, and I'd say that probably growing up your family, you know, good people, good hearted people. And, and, you know, especially in Western civilization, we have Santa Claus, we have the tooth fairy, we have the Easter bunny. Uh, Are there any other fictional characters that we try to Mm -hmm. (laughs) celebrate? And then there's Jesus. Yeah. Okay. But Jesus is real. 
Uh, but Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny and the Tooth Fairy, you know, are, are not the Elf on the Shelf, you know. And I think it can be somewhat confusing, yes, especially for you know, children, people of a younger generation, or folks who may not be well learned in Scripture. So we hope to provide a little bit of truth mm-hmm. to this matter. And that's the whole purpose of the Truth Revival podcast. So, uh, Robert, I know that you came well prepared. So um, if you don't mind, just share with us a couple of things that you have found interesting about the the birth of Christ, the nativity. Okay, well, before I really get into uh, talking about my perspective or, or, or or what I see around the events of the Nativity, uh, first I have to say that we in Messianic Judaism, uh, including myself and the Olive Tree uh, Messianic Fellowship, do not celebrate Christmas. Now, that doesn't mean we don't celebrate the birth. We do, but just in a different way and in a different time. Hold on a second. Are you saying that Jesus wasn't born on December 25th? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, another spoiler alert there. And Jesus was also not resurrected on Easter, Correct. which may or may not happen in April. That Correct. always confused me. You know, it happens in April sometimes, just based on the calendar, you yeah. know. But yeah, Jesus was not actually born. That's right. On December twenty fifth, I, I have some interesting stuff about the date when we, if you want, when we get to that. Yeah, well, let's let let's let Robert finish here, but I definitely want to hear some of that. Okay. Well, at some point in time, you'll have to pause me, and uh, because I've got a lot, like you said, mm-hmm. uh, he came prepared. <laughs> yes, I, I guess first of all, because I have so many people uh, ask me, "Wow, I can't believe you really don't celebrate Christmas. You you're so unique. You're the only one that I know." Well. So I'll come prepared with a little bit of history here. Okay. Uh, there's millions of Christians around the world, first of all. At least half a dozen established Christian denominations. I say established because there's all kinds of non-denominational, but at least half a dozen established Christian denominations that celebrate the Jesus' birth, Yeshua, who that's how we refer to him mm-hmm. as. That's his Hebrew name. Yeshua's birth on a different day other than Christmas. Uh, and this was really much more normal during the Reformation, the time of the Reformation. Uh, the Reformers themselves questioned the date in which we should celebrate Yeshua's birth. Uh, the most obvious example today is the Eastern Orthodox. They celebrate on January 7th. Uh, and then going back to the Reformation again, Christmas was actually banned by Christians themselves, not some other government leader. Christians themselves actually banned the celebration of Christmas in both England and the United States for several decades. Well, let's look at the Methodist Church. John Wesley's Methodist movement began in England during the time that Christmas was banned. Congregational and Reformed churches, John Calvin, whose biblical theology helped the Congregationalist and Reformed churches, preferred to celebrate Jesus' birth on a different day rather than Christmas. Look at the Presbyterian Church. John Knox, founder of the Presbyterian Church, also preferred not to celebrate Yeshua's birth on Christmas. With the Scottish Reformation, a clear stand against the observance of Christmas was taken by the Kirk, 
the kirk means the church, and that was in 1560. Therefore, Presbyterians did not recognize Christmas. The holiday was effectively banned in Scotland for nearly 400 years. Wow. The Puritans in the 16th and 17th century, and the Puritans is what made up the pilgrims that came to the U.S., did not observe Christmas. The Quaker Church in 19, or I'm sorry, in 1749, a Quaker leader by the name of Peter Com, Com with a K, made a comment saying that they did not regard this day any more remarkable than any other days. And I'm almost done with the history here. 1830 to 1856 in the U.S. It was not until the 1830s that the states of Alabama, Arkansas, and Louisiana made it legal to celebrate Christmas. The city of Boston did not celebrate Christmas until 1856. Wow. And then Southern Baptist, which is what I was raised, by the way. Mm -hmm. After the U.S. Civil War, Southern Baptist began to slowly incorporate the celebration of Christmas. It was not until the early 1900s that Presbyterians started to celebrate Christmas. So it was after the Civil War for Baptists, early 1900s for, for Presbyterians. Charles Spurgeon, who we all know, struggled with the origin and the date on which Christmas was celebrated due to his heavy influence from Puritan teachings. Mm. So I said all that to say this, uh, myself and those in the Messianic Jewish movement, we're a lot like the Protestant reformers. We're not all that odd and different after all. There's, there's many more out there like myself. Andy, you said you had some interesting things on, on the date on the Christmas. Date, um, I've always believed, first off, that the Bible has a lot of stuff in it that if you dig, you can find it and everything. And we always talk about the date not being in there, but there are clues and things hidden that actually can help you establish the day. Um, The first thing you got to do is establish the year. Um, And you can find that from Daniel chapter 9, verses 25 through 26. That's the 70 weeks prophecy. And it's Mm -hmm. talking about that you'll have 70 weeks for the Jewish people. And it says you'll have 69 weeks until the Mashiach Nagid, to the Messiah comes and everything. Mm -hmm. And we know those are weeks of years. So it even says in verse 26 that you can start the time basically from the moment that the issue to rebuild the walls is issued. And so all you got to do is take the 360 days for the Jewish year and everything, multiply it by the 69, by the 7, and you can actually follow right up, which is so interesting. Um, It would have been in 32 AD is when he would have been to the cross and everything. And that takes you right up to the moment. It takes you to the Nisan the 10th. And I may be saying that wrong. Is Nissan is how you say yeah. it? Nissan. Nissan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Almost sounds like the car, but it smells <laughs> a little different. <laughs> it's a Toyota, huh? Yeah. I butcher the Jewish words. I read all the time on the Jewish things, but it doesn't have the pronunciation. Yeah. So. Yeah. But that takes you to the 10th, which is the day that he enters into um, Jerusalem riding on the donkey. Yeah, Palm and, Sunday. Yes, which is so interesting because it says that that's the day he will be announced. And then all of a sudden that makes sense. Throughout all the other times that when Jesus would do something, and they're like, hey, he's the Messiah, and he's like, now is not the time, now is not the time. But on the 10th of Nisan, 
he's writing in, they say that, you know, make the people stop because they're doing Psalms 118. And he says, if I stop them, the rocks would cry out. Why? <laughs> That's the day that Jesus was supposed to be announced as Messiah. He's 33 and a third years old. So you can take that back and it puts you at 2 BC. I prefer using the Bible to figure out the date on the year and everything, mm -hmm. but you can use secular history. Tertullian says that Augustus died 15 years after the event, puts him at 2 BC. Irenaeus says he was born the 31st, 41st year after of Augustus' reign. That puts you at 2 BC. Asibius says the 20th year from the subjugation of Egypt. That puts you at 2 BC. So there's a lot of actual history that backs up the 2 BC date then also. Now's where it gets fun. It doesn't say anything about his day in there, but it does say stuff about John the Baptist. Exactly. Uh. And what's interesting, <laughs> if, if you've got this too, if you go to uh, Luke chapter one, verse five, you know that Zacharias was in the temple when he's told yeah. that you're going to have a baby boy. And we know from verse five right there, he's of the course of Abijah. And you can follow right from the Bible and everything when the different courses are on in the temple. Yeah, First Chronicles 24. Yes. There's 24 <laughs> courses. Mm -hmm. And that would have put his course that year would have been finishing up on July 13th of the year 3 BC. I'm in 3 BC because you got to add the time to get to the birth. So July 13th of 3 BC is when Zacharias finds out, hey, you're going to have a baby boy. And if you read what happens, it says he went home and she became pregnant. And if you look at what the Greek word means and everything, it means, boom, then she became pregnant. Mm. So Zacharias that night did what he was supposed to, and John the Baptist on the way, all right? Here's where it gets fun, because now you could say that he's born early or born late, but I don't think my God deals with just close enough to, he, he hides things to be so, to give you that joy when you he's find in the details. Yeah. Yes, so if you take July 13th of 3 BC and you add 280 days to it, you can find out the birth of John the Baptist. His birthday that year would have been April 19th of the year 2 BC. That has got to be his birthday because guess what else is that day of that year? That's Passover. Yeah, Passover. <laughs> <laughs> and for John to be born on the Feast of Passover, that is just so perfect. You know, yes. you could not ask for that to be better. Now you go to Luke and where it's talking about how Mary, she finds out from the angel, she's going to have the baby. And it says she left. And if you look at the word, it's an immediate left. And she went to see Elizabeth. And it says Elizabeth was in her sixth month. Once again, it's digging into the words. You find out in and everything like that. It means in the Greek, it just began. Mm -hmm. So if you take her at six months and then you add Start that day as the day for Mary, and you add 280 days. His birthday that year would have been September 29th of the year 2 BC. Why do I think that's his birthday 100%? That's the first day of the Feast of Trumpets that year, which means that they went outside the temple, blew the trumpets, announcing the Messiah is here. Yeah, and the Messiah unknowingly. Was, uh, unknowingly. Yeah. And I, I totally see that as what God would have done. Yeah. He, would, he would not have tried to hide the birth of his son. He would not have tried. He would have literally had the priest go out and blow the trumpet saying, guess what? The Messiah is here on the day the Messiah was there. Yeah. So Andy just dropped a ton of information on us. Robert, as he said that, I saw you kind of go, oh, give us your thoughts real quick on what he just said. Okay, first of all, me and Andy is very, very close uh, <laughs> in our notes. I think this... Uh, 
whole meeting here is ordained by the Lord for listen, sure. Man, There's guys, no Hebrew word for coincidence. Hey, that's true. That's true. I, listen, God has blessed me to allow both you, both you guys have come into my life and being able to connect you two. Like I'm a student right now. Mm-hmm. You guys are teaching me, so I'm just going to turn you all loose. Take it away, Robert. Well, there's three different within Messianic Judaism. Uh, there's three different theories on when Yeshua Jesus was born. Some people actually say on Passover. Well, not Passover, but Nisan the first, uh, which is uh, one of the biblical New Years. It, you could find that in Exodus chapter twelve when they were going out of Egypt. It says to uh, start numbering your days, your months, your years on this day. But um, there's some others, you know, I said that's one. There's others that believe it's the Feast of Trumpets, which is what Andy just described. But then there's others like myself, actually the majority like myself, that says it's just two weeks later on the Feast of Tabernacles. So very close there. So it, it could be 50-50 either way. But... Um, but I definitely could see God having it born on a feast day. Oh, definitely. I mean, and you go to back to the uh, the flood and everything, and you look at when the ark rested, and you actually apply when those days were. Those are feast days yes. that things are happening. Mm-hmm. I, I think the feast and all the stuff with Israel, it's set up to um, give us more knowledge of basically what's coming around. And so I would totally agree with you on both of those days. I, yes. The Passover is a little bit earlier in the year yeah. for me, but I could go with tabernacles or trumpets. And to me... You know, I believe that God is a detailed God, just like mm-hmm. we said. And there's so many things in Scripture to fulfill. I just think there's more to chew on if you said he was born in the fall, in the fall feast, rather than in uh, Nisan first in the spring, two weeks before Passover, because that's the biblical New Year. Uh, but here's why I think that he was born on Sukkot. And and maybe I didn't come... Now, when you say Sukkot, you're talking about... Tabor. Tabernacles. Yeah, tabernacles. I'm okay. sorry. I'm, 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 I'm a student default, today. <laughs> my, my default language is to go back into the Hebrew every time. So if I say Yeshua all the time, I mean Jesus. That's okay. Okay. Uh, well, first of all, it, it's, it's common sense that if we say Yeshua was 33 and a half when he was crucified, right? And he was crucified on Passover. So he was 33 and a half in the spring, right? You take that half a year off, you get his birthday, you're in the fall. Mm. So that puts mine in your theory of Rosh Hashanah or Feast of Trumpets or Sukkot, Feast of uh, Tabernacles. That's right in that ballpark. Um, they wouldn't have done a, because they go because they're taxed. The Romans would not have put a taxing in the middle of December or yes. the end of December because then the roads might be impassable and things like that. It just it just seems to fit that it would be more fall than it would be dead of the winter. Exactly. Yeah, because in the winter, it does snow in Bethlehem and in Jerusalem in December. Dece- you know, here in East Tennessee, we say January. Sometimes February is our worst. December's their worst. Matter wow. of fact, January, they've rounded the corner. In late January, they have almond blossoms. So their winter is shorter, but it starts earlier. That's whenever we went to Israel was in January, mm-hmm. middle of January. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there was still some cold mm-hmm. mornings, but it was some days were 70 degrees. Yeah. So would you say that was probably maybe their spring? That's stop? that's when spring is starting. Ending yes. of winter, beginning of spring. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. 
But I'm, I'm just trying to look at my notes here because Andy described that so great. You just cut half of my notes right into there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, you're you're fine. That's great. And, what, and what's cool is like I told both you guys to both come prepared. Yeah. We didn't plan or strategize anything other than just saying, hey, here's the topic. And it's amazing how you said that a lot of the stuff he covered was in agreement with what you came prepared to share. Exactly. Exactly. That's amazing. Well, oh, God, <laughs> no coincidence. Let me back up to the uh, conception. You know, Andy covered well with, with John the Baptist and uh, John's father, Zacharias. And what gets me is some people, when they read Scripture, they read it in the American mindset. And they say the angel visited uh, Mary in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. So that's June. Mm. No, no, you got to look at this in the in the Hebrew. Right, uh, that's what it was written in uh, Hebrew and Greek. Uh, it was written to the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, and through them and, and by and them. One more thing here, we got to we got to try to get this sorted out. Are you telling me that Jesus is not American? <laughs> Correct. Neither did he have blue eyes or wear blue jeans. <laughs> oh boy, this is a lot today. I, I can remember the first time in Coca Creek, in Coca Creek. Whenever we had, uh, we was looking through the library or something, and I think we had some books that were donated, and and I opened it up and I saw that Adam and Eve were not Caucasian, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Hang on a second, this book is wrong." <laughs> yeah, but you know that's we we've, we've been indoctrinated yeah. in Western civilization to to we've been whitewashed yeah. with this American gospel that Jesus is white. No, Jesus was not. No. What he was Hebrew. I even heard, had one person tell me one time, "Well, Jesus was probably the most beautiful person ever created no. because he was God's son, and God would make His son beautiful." Jesus probably had a six pack. He was probably six <laughs> foot four. Mm, that's I, not I'd what say Scripture if, says. Isaiah yeah. fifty three two. It talks about there was no beauty found in him. Yeah, he, and I and once again, I, I actually had that in my notes, which is what's interesting. You brought that up is I think one of the things that reasons he's born, you know, in the lowliest of places, and one of the reasons that he's born and he is not an attractive person, or he's gonna have a low life job there, and you know, th- is because Jesus is gonna identify with us. Mm-hmm. And there's yes. not a person out there in the middle school years hasn't stood, looked in the mirror and went, I'm so ugly. Look at me. And then cried out to God. You don't know what it's like to look like this. Mm-hmm. Battles and then, with the insecurities. Yes. And God is sitting up in heaven. I, I picture my God with tears in his eyes going, yeah, I know what that's like. I did that to myself so that when you hurt, I hurt. And when you feel, go through these things. And, and so the fact that I've had people get mad at me before when I say he is not an attractive man, Mm. he's going to be so attractive when we see him to the fact of the love I see in him, we're going to see him with all his scars when we get to heaven. And he's still going to be the most beautiful thing I've looked on. Well, if you want to get a, exactly Jesus, he, he was made a little lower than the angels Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. thought it not Robert to be made in the form of God, but he came in the form of a man. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Yeah. If you want to get a picture of the true Jesus, you read Revelation chapter one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You read Revelation chapter one when John the apostle saw him, John the Revelator. Mm-hmm. He would have known Jesus, yeah, but he fell down like a dead man because he had never seen this perspective of Jesus. For so, read Revelation chapter one if you want to know the true Jesus. Robert, go ahead. We didn't mean to, to veer oh, no. off track there. No, that's fine. I- I want to read some notes here that I have that uh, uh, would kind of put Yeshua's birth on 
the Feast of Tabernacles or Sukkot. But but again, we're splitting hairs here, whether it's trumpets or tabernacles. But large crowds would have been in Bethlehem during the Feast of Sukkot. Now, they would have been on their way there during uh, trumpets, but Sukkot or tabernacles was one of the three pilgrim feasts where all heads of the household were required to be at the temple. So you see where it says there's no room in the inn? Mm-hmm. Well, why in a small town of Bethlehem would there be no room? Why would it be packed out? And you talked about that census. Uh, they give them uh, a period of time to go get that census done. They knew they couldn't just hop in their car or airplane and be there. Uh, they give them a period of time. And what better time to pay your tax than when all the agricultural, everything had come in for the year and you had to go to the temple on tabernacles. And it says when you And now the continuation of Truth Revival. Okay, during the Feast of Tabernacles or Sukkot, Everybody builds a booth or a a tabernacle, a hut. And these priestly shepherds would have done the same. So they would have had these huts built outside in the fields, outside of the tower of the flock. Again, back in Luke 2, 7, it says that they laid Yeshua in a manger. And again, us country boys, we think of the mangers we have around here in the barns where we feed the hay Mm -hmm. to the cattle. But the Greek word for manger can also be translated as a stall, not just where you put the feed, but an actual stall. And you can find that, for example, in Luke 13, 15, if you want to go back and look at the Greek and see how that's translated. Again, that's Luke 13, 15. But if you go back into the Old Testament in Genesis 33, 17, it says that Jacob needed shelter for his cattle, so he built Stalls. Well, guess what that Hebrew word there is? Mm. Sukkah, which is, again, a booth. The Feast of Sukkot Tabernacles. So I believe that when we say that they laid baby Jesus in a manger, they laid him in this structure built for the Feast of Tabernacles Mm. because it was the Feast of Tabernacles. And he was born in the basement of this tower called Migdal Adar, in a special certified facility by special certified uh, shepherds, priestly shepherds, that would give birth to the Passover lambs. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Go back to what you said there. Born in the basement of this facility. Yes. Because, gentlemen, I have been to the church of the Nativity Uh, mm -hmm. over in Bethlehem. And when, you know, I was thinking... You know, Jesus is born in a manger, like, and we see that this makeshift hut that we've all seen and heard in, like I said, in Western culture. But our guide said, he said, you guys have got it all wrong. He said, Jesus was not, he goes, that's not where, that's not how our our mangers were usually uh, uh, constructed. Mm -hmm. He said, around here, he goes, a a manger type place, a place where they kept farm animals might have been most likely in a cave. Mm Mm-hmm. And so as we walk through this church, which again, over in Israel, everybody wants to know where's the spot? Where's yeah. the spot where this happened? Yeah. And so any holy site, there's been a temple or something that's been erected, or and, and that's Constantine. And when his mother visited yes. uh, over in, in uh, 
Jerusalem and Israel. Yes. They tried to find all these holy sites and they uh, erected a lot of temples and things. Mm-hmm. But this has been widely regarded as the spot, which again, can it be proven? Probably not. Same thing as the day. Yeah. You know, does it matter? The significance of the spot or the day may or may not. The fact is that it happened. Yes. But again, uh, God is in the details. Yes. And you can see this beautiful thing that God has uh, weaved through time. Yes. But but we had to walk down, mm-hmm. down into a cave. So you said basement. Yeah. And it's like, you know, we had to go down to this special cave, this special area. Yes. Um, which, so I've, I've been there. Historically, you know, I don't know if that's the place, but yeah, there are some things that's starting to line up here. Exactly. You know, so keep going. I didn't mean to interrupt you. And, you know, could it be the fact that maybe some of our stories, all of our stories have a little bit of truth in them, but maybe God is keeping the actual truth concealed until the end? Mm. Uh, because maybe he don't want these big monuments built on top of the location. Uh, well, we said it. I've said this before in the podcast, you know, whenever Jesus goes up on the Mount of Transfiguration yeah, and uh, Peter sees him in his glory and sees Moses and Elijah, mm-hmm. what do they say? Let's build a temple. Let's build something here. And she's like, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> but that was part don't of... They, don't they mention booths right there too? Let's build in booths because at that time it was the Feast of Booths. Uh, exactly. Sukkoth. Exactly. It, it was the Feast of Sukkot. So they wanted to build sukkahs, a sukkah uh, for Elijah and for Moses and for Yeshua. Okay. So, so keep going. Well, if you want to, we can read Micah 4, if somebody has that pulled up. Micah, Micah 4, 8 through 10, at least the first part of verse 10 pertains to what I'm talking and about. And thou, O tower of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, unto thee shall it come, even the first dominion, the kingdom shall come to the daughter of Zion. Now, why dost thou cry out aloud? Is there no king in thee? Is thy counselor perished? For pangs have taken thee, as a woman in travail, mm-hmm. be in pain and labor to bring forth, O daughter of Zion, like a woman in travail. For now shalt thou go forth out to the city, and thou shalt dwell in the field, and thou shalt go even to Babylon. There shalt thou be delivered. There the Lord shall redeem thee from the hand of thine enemies. There, you can see it. I mean, if you look, if you're just reading over that quickly, you can't see it. That's what I was going to say. If I've read through that before, yeah, and yeah. Just, you just blow right through it. Yes. But if you slow down. And you look for Mary. You yeah. look for the birth of the king. Yes. And I, and I can so see my God doing that, to yeah. literally put him in the place where you're preparing yeah. sacrificial lambs. Yeah. I mean, I think when you start to look at the Old Testament and line it up, everything where certain things happen, mm-hmm. things happen later. Yeah. I, I mean... I, I would love to know exactly where Ruth and Boaz's field is right in this area because yeah. I got a feeling it's right where the shepherds were or right where this. There's something because I mean you're seeing a, gen, a Jewish man take a Gentile bride yeah. out in this spot, mm-hmm. and this is the same place that my, my Jewish father is going to send exactly to take a Gentile bride. Exactly. Andy, you uh, we watched the Chosen oh, Christmas yes. special. Have you ever gotten to the Chosen? Oh yes. You oh, like the Chosen? There's a lot of Jewish things in the Chosen that I see everywhere. They say the Shema. They had the Zit and they had the talits and so many things. So I, in the in the Christmas special, the chosen they 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 talked about the swaddling cloth that was prepared by the priests. 
mm-hmm. for, like, like you said, the sacrificial lamb. Yes. Was it coincidence that Jesus was wrapped in those swaddling clothes? You know, and again, I've I got to go down to that place, and you say that could have been the place where they prepared the sacrificial lamb. Yes. Uh, the swaddling clothes. I mean, it's just like all of these things are starting to kind of. Yeah. Everybody always talks about you know, swaddling clothes or baby clothes, but why would it be a sign unto the shepherd? You will find, I mean, to say you'll find a baby in baby clothes. I, I could do that. I could say you go to Florida, you'll find an old person. I mean, you can't, but to say you'll find a baby wrapped up in stuff that is reserved for things to be yes. sacrificed. Yes. Reserved to say this one is to die. Yes. I mean, and, and to think of what Mary was going through to have to wrap her child in that mm-hmm. i imagine there wasn't a blank she didn't have something to wrap him in and this was it and then mm. to look down at your child i can't imagine yeah. wrapping in my child on the day of the i birth. don't think they would have voluntarily wrapped yeah. him in that it was just probably was all they there. had accessible yeah. all that yes. was available you know yeah and you mentioned a good point when the angel told the shepherds here's your clue you will find the baby lying in a manger or a sukkah uh wrapped in swaddling clothes. Now, if they would have just told any normal shepherd that, they'd be like wrapped in swaddling clothes. I, I, I don't get it. We're going to have to go all over town in every hut and every sukkah <laughs> looking for this. But when they told those shepherds that, they knew exactly mm. where to go. They knew what they were looking for. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, something else that's significant, Robert, is you know if we're in the book of Micah, right in, in chapter number five, and this is what makes Bethlehem significant. Um, Micah chapter 5, verse number 2. Yeah. You know what it says? But thou, Bethlehem, Ephratat. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, Joseph and Mary were from Nazareth. Is that correct? That's where they lived, but their lineage both goes well, to yeah, they, they were they were in Nazareth. Yes. But again... The timing of all this. Mm -hmm. They didn't have a reason to go to Bethlehem. They didn't have a reason to go back and visit. But the census, the taxing, okay, by the Roman governor, okay, this decree that was made forth brought them back in the timing of it all. Mm -hmm. See how God just works everything out? I mean, to, to, to have the baby born in Bethlehem from Nazareth, coming out of Egypt, I mean, all these little clues just narrow it down that it could only be Jesus Christ. That could yeah. be, I mean, you've got so many details due to that. And the fact, once again, you go back to Nazareth and Galilee, Galilee was the redneck area of that area. Yeah. And so I, I, when we talked about this with the kids in FCA last week, be able to let them know, hey, you may feel like you're from the middle of nowhere. You may feel like you're from a redneck area. Jesus was too. Yeah. And then Nazareth literally means, it, it's, it can be a synonym for the word despised. Because you'll see they've mentioned a lot of time Jesus of Nazareth and what good comes out of Nazareth. Can good thing come out of Nazareth? But yeah. if, you read the, if you read the Old Testament, there is not a time that it says he will come out of Nazareth. But what it says in Isaiah is he will be despised. Despised is a synonym for Nazareth. And that's where people get, he's come. So Oh my word, he literally came from the worst area, from the worst town, mm-hmm. not good look, all this stuff just to love us. You know, yeah. so the whole Nazareth thing that that blows my mind that because you could have came from Bethlehem. I mean, that's David's hometown. Wow. Yeah. And the fact that Bethlehem means house of bread. Yeah. And Jesus is going to be the bread, bread of life. <laughs> there's no there's no playing around here. It's Amen. just so perfect the way yeah. it's set up. That's right. And what I'm about to say next can either correspond to Yeshua being born on trumpets or tabernacles, which again is only two weeks apart. 
But, okay, we have John the Baptist. Uh, he was conceived in the summer, as Andy said. Uh, and, and some, now one thing I don't have on my notes is all the exact uh, Gregorian calendar dates that, that Andy had calculated. That, that was good. Uh, but if Yeshua was born in the fall of the year, Many believe, especially from uh, the Messianic perspective, he was conceived on the Feast of Hanukkah. So the light of the world came into the world in his mother's womb on Hanukkah. So even though he wasn't physically born in December, he physically came to this world in his mother's womb. In December, I'd never thought about the date being conceived actually lining up with a festival, but that totally, once again, I'm telling you, our God is going to be in the details. Exactly. I mean, uh, John the Baptist himself. Well, first of all, in John 1 14, John the Baptist said, Yeshua came to the earth and he tabernacled or he dwelt among us, uh, play on words of the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, but then also, let me find the note. Uh, in John 8, 12, Yeshua himself, Jesus himself says, I am the light of the world. And that's just before the Feast of Hanukkah. As a matter of fact, two chapters later in John chapter 10, 22, it was the Feast of Hanukkah. And we find Yeshua, Jesus, in Jerusalem in winter when it's cold. He made the three-day walk travel to get there. It's not a big special pilgrim feast where you have to come to the temple, but he thought it was special enough to go. And he was at the temple worshiping on the Feast of Dedication, which is Hanukkah. Something else that's, that's pretty cool is when they present Jesus after Mary's purification on the eighth day to mm-hmm. Simeon the prophet. It's pretty cool what Simeon says Bible says he was a just and devout man mm-hmm. waiting for the consolation of Israel the Holy Ghost was upon him and the Lord revealed to him through the Holy Ghost that he would not see death until he had seen the Messiah mm-hmm. verse 27 Luke chapter 2 then he came by the spirit into the temple and when the parents brought the child Jesus, to do for him after the custom of the law. Then he took Jesus up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thou servant depart in peace according to your word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a lot to lighten the Gentiles mm-hmm. and the glory of thy people, Israel. Incredible. What would have happened right there uh, through through Simeon? Uh, let's see here. Do you guys have any thoughts on that, real quick? Well, again, God is a detailed God, and and with Yeshua Jesus coming to this earth, He fulfilled over three hundred messianic prophecies found in the uh, Hebrew Scriptures in the Old Testament. But on that eighth day, when He was circumcised, if you go back to the Feast of Tabernacles. How long does the Feast of Tabernacles last? Eight days. Now, it says seven days, but then Scripture says, but on the eighth day. So it's like God adds that extra eighth day. (laughs) 
So if he was born on the first day of the Feast of Tabernacles, eight days later you were supposed to circumcise him. That was on the eighth day of Tabernacles, which is called the greatest, most joyous day of the feast. And today in traditional Judaism, we ourselves do this at the olive tree. Uh, that is the day that we get the Torah scroll out, the Word of God. We've been reading that for a whole year, and now we're at the end, and we wind it back, and we start all over again with the Word of God and renew ourselves in the reading of the Word. And that is the day that Yeshua was circumcised, cutting away the flesh so he could be led by the Spirit. The Word of God himself, the living Word, Yeshua, Jesus, was circumcised on that day. <laughs> And I've always heard eight is the number of new beginnings and it everything is. like that. Yeah. Um, what's interesting also about the eighth day being circumcised on that, if you look at biologically, when a baby is born, I'm trying to remember the name of the vitamin, that's the, the thing that's in your body that helps your blood clot. Yes. But it's not at 100%. Yes. But by day seven, it's at 100%. And day eight is the only day in your life it actually goes to 110%. And then, by, then it goes back down to 100%. On the ninth day, so you have one day in your life where your blood clotting is better than it ever is, and God said, that's the day you're supposed to yeah. circumcise. That just shows the details. God could not look at the Hebrew people at this time and go, your blood clotting agency, da-da-da-da-da, but if he looked at the Hebrews and said, circumcise on the eighth day, which even if it falls on a Sabbath, they're correct, they're right, they're, right, they're supposed to circumcise that on the true. day. That is it's true. It's a why, once again, God, in the details, in the yes. details of me, the physical being that I am, and how am I body's made up to have one day to where you can blood clot better than anything and that's the day he wants it to be <laughs> and done. it's the same way with uh resting you know they say science uh doctors say to rest one day a week it's good for you oh, god put that in his word mm -hmm. same way with eating there's certain foods he told us not to eat and you know people ask me you mean you don't eat pork or you don't eat shellfish well why not you you can eat that and i'm like well, yeah, I can eat that. I'm not going to hell if I eat that. But what science say about pork and about shellfish? It's not good for you. Mm. So God, <laughs> yeah, God didn't just, he was not just some mean father and telling us to do these things because he wanted to be cruel to us. Yeah. He had, uh, he, he, he wants what's best for us. Yeah. Wow. Something else that's pretty cool. Um, again, we sometimes get it, uh, we get it wrong in, in, in Western civilization because we think the timing of the shepherds mm -hmm. and the wise man correlate that, oh, they must've got there at the same time. Oh, I got something on that. <laughs> okay. Well, let's, let's, uh, we'll, we'll, this may be one of the last things that we get to talk about and then we'll try to try to wrap it up. But, you know, after the. The, the miraculous birth of Christ. Jesus goes into the temple. I like how you brought up about the prophecies that Jesus has fulfilled. We've talked about, well, we really didn't talk too much about the angel of the Lord that visited mm -hmm. um, both uh, Joseph and Mary mm -hmm. to confirm. I mean, let's just go here real quick. I mean, guys, y'all know what it's like to be men, to be territorial over your women. For... Joseph, to figure out that Mary was pregnant, he had all legal rights to, as the Bible says, put her away privily. Yeah. Or he, he could, when they had entered into that betrothal period, it was like a contract. Yeah. You know, he had to honor that. Yeah. They were almost the same as married, but they just has, they hadn't, um, you know, consummated the marriage. Mm -hmm. But 
they were, it was almost like a done deal. But when he found out that she was pregnant, he could have, he could have ended it. Yeah. She broke cron- contract. She broke the contract. You he know, could have divor- divorced her. Yes. Could have had her stoned. Mm-hmm. And then isn't the other one where they could actually have actually have had her as a wife, but not consummate with her, take her as a wife, but not keep her. I've, I've heard that as the option too. Yes. Correct. So. But still the angel of the Lord is what was able to bear witness mm-hmm. and say that this is of God. And so both of them trust the Lord. And again, you know, what happens with Elizabeth and uh, gosh, what what's uh, John the Baptist's father's name? Zacharias. Zacharias. The fact that uh, he he doubted the angel of the Lord and was dumb mm-hmm. for a period of time, and then whenever uh, the, Elizabeth was like, his name's going to be John, and everybody's like, but that's not your family name. Don't call him that. And they asked his dad, and they asked Zacharias, and he was deaf and dumb. He couldn't speak or talk, hear, yeah. hear or speak, mm-hmm. and he wrote it down. His name will be John. Mm-hmm. Then it's like boom. The uh, he 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 regained his his voice and he just started praising the Lord. Yeah. Um, the the fact that the whole world was taxed by the Roman government allowing Joseph and Mary to 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 migrate and and make the 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 pilgrimage to Bethlehem so Jesus could be born. That in and of itself was incredible. The shepherds hear about the birth of Jesus and come the circumcision. Uh, to, before Simeon the prophet, and then the wise men. So the timing of, of the wise men, did this happen, you know, eight days, 10 days? Did the wise men get there to, to the side of the birth when the shepherds did? It's most likely not. not. Yeah. Why? Well, because an unspecified amount of these wise men came from the east. When they came to Herod, they was like, hey, where's this king? Yeah. We want to worship him Born too. Born king of the Jews. Born king of the Jews. You know, you know why they say that? That's so Herod, Herod had less than a year earlier had bought the title the king of the Jews. And so he mm-hmm. at that time was considered the king of the Jews. And so when these magi show up, who if you look, at, we always say wise men, magi is where you get the word. And that comes from Babylon. You can trace it all the way back to there. Daniel, Daniel yeah. he was Rab Mag in, in chapter two, yeah. to where he was appointed chief of the magi. Yeah. I truly think he is the one who has had this revealed to him by God and had told the magi to be watching for yes. this star <laughs> and everything. And so... It's it's coming clear back to that. And the Magi, though, they had several duties. One was to interpret dreams. One was to read the signs in the heavens, which goes back to the Maseroth, I think, and everything mm-hmm. like that. Did I, did I say that? Did I use the wrong word right there? The Jewish signs in the heaven? Did yes. I say that? Okay. Yeah. And then they also installed the kings. Mm-hmm. And so you had the Magi install kings. And how scary would that have been for Herod? for these guys whose job is to put the king on the throne to show up and look at him and go, not you. We're not, we're not talking about somebody who bought the title. Yeah. We're talking about the king of the Jews. Where is he at? And that kind of leads into verse four right there where it says all of Jerusalem was troubled with him because you're talking, these would have been the kingmakers coming from another area mm-hmm. who were telling Herod, it's not you. They was just the riprap, you know, that just... No. They was some of the elite guys that came in. Like you said, they, these men would have came in with prestige and, and power and authority. We always say kings because of in Psalms, I believe it's 92, it talks about the kings of Tarshish, Sheba, and Sidon will worship him and everything like that. I, I, I believe kings of this earth will worship him. I don't believe that that's what that's talking about. Because if you look at Tarshish, it's over to the west. Yes. And it says these guys came from the east. And so I think Psalms 92 is just... 
mentioning about kings worshiping him, but that's where yet we always end up saying we three kings. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and I don't think there were kings. There might have been some with him just to to see, but that wasn't the point. It was the magi yeah. that were there to install him. Yeah. So they they said, "Where's the king?" And uh, Herod consults with obviously um, the priests of that day, and they're like, "Well, he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem." Mm-hmm. Herod said, "Well, when you find him, let me know. I want to come worship him too." Yeah. There's a reason why he had all the male children under two. Yeah. Under two, two years old. Yes, that's important. That's important. You want to? You have anything that you want to? Yeah, I think that um, the wise men showed up. Oh, let's see, one year and about three months later, and I think uh, Herod kind of said, eh, "Let's just go with two, just to make sure." But you, you see, uh, some documentaries that I've seen where they've traced the star of Bethlehem, and it showed up on. December 25th. Okay, that that could be pretty accurate because there's one that I have seen, uh, one of those documentaries in particular, that said, yes, the star showed up on December 25th and the wise men showed up on December 25th, but that was also on the Feast of Hanukkah as well, which on the Hebrew calendar uh, is Kislev the 25th. Coincidence there? I think Mm. not. Kislev 25th (laughs) is Hanukkah. Uh, Christmas is December 25th, but they showed up. Oh, okay. If if Yeshua was born on tabernacles and the wise men got the sign, he's born, let's ride. And one year and three months later, as they've tracked the star, they showed up. And then Herod said, why do I think it's one year and three months? Because if it was just three months later, I think Herod would have said one year wow. and under. I think he it was uses more than the year. word toddler. I think it's in verse eight. Yes, he used, he, the Greek word it says young child, but to us, if you translate it into Greek, it means toddler, which means that means Jesus is toddling. And he was in a house. Yes, a toddler in the house, <laughs> so he wasn't back there in Bethlehem in the field in the hut or right, in the right. sukkah, the manger. So, you know what's interesting about the stars? You talk about that. Um, I've watched a lot of those specials trying to mm-hmm. nail the star down, and that's interesting the way you put that because that could have very well been it appeared at the time for the Magi. Yes. But um, what's interesting about the star is when they show up in Jerusalem and they tell them we followed the star, we always got in our picture, on our mind, this star that shows up and it's there, mm-hmm. and they just were following it. They knew to go to that area because when you read the word that talks about the star, and if you go further down, it says, and then the star appeared, and they the Magi rejoiced in seeing it again mm-hmm. and everything. Mm. If you look at what the word means, it means, because there's so many tenses in Greek, they have a tense for happened and then just happened again. I think the star showed up and let them know, hey, start traveling that way. And then a year and three months later, that star showed up again. I think it's totally supernatural. It is not a star that we could look out today and look and say, that's the star, because I think it happened, and then it happened again. And that's why you see the Magi rejoicing, and then they followed the star to the house and everything like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. So there, we, we always try and put, and I think there's some neatness to putting something that we can see in the skies to it, but we got to give total credit to it, supernatural in any uh-huh. of it, even just the star being, you know, started and everything like that. This is God identifying, this is my son. Yeah, and and they brought gifts. Yes. And what do the Jewish people do today on Hanukkah? They give gifts, mm. gifts for eight nights. And, and not only that, uh, if you go back to him being conceived uh, on Hanukkah, 
they was a sect, a small group of Jewish people, just like a lot of the Chinese people, that believed in celebrating someone's birth on the day in which they were conceived. So, if Yeshua, Jesus, was conceived on Hanukkah, which is Kislev the 25th, and see, back then there was no... uh, uh, th- there was no Gregorian calendar. The Julian calendar actually came around first, and the Julian calendar was very closely linked to the Hebrew cl- calendar. Now, today they can get way off the Gregorian and Hebrew, but then the Julian and the Hebrew calendar was close. So could it be that uh, you had a group of Jewish people that was celebrating the birth of Yeshua when he was con- conceived on Hanukkah, Kislev the 25th, the Julian calendar came out December 25th. More Gentiles started coming in. There you go. Mm. And it's the day that the wise men came to celebrate the birth of Yeshua, and they brought presents. Huh. Gifts, huh? Yes. It, three very, very oddly gifts. You know, the fact that you bring gold, that is so God being outside of time, knowing that Joseph is going to need help mm-hmm. to get to Egypt. Right. He is not going to have that money on his own to travel there yes. and to stay there for a while. I mean, right. because that's going to cost a little money. If you're given gold, you're given frankincense, you're cluing into the priestly aspect of Jesus, and then given myrrh, which is used to rub on a dead body. Mm. You've got the prophet, the priest, and the king all wrapped up in the three gifts and everything. And for me to picture Mary, yeah, getting the gold, if anybody's looking for a Christmas gift for me, great idea, be happy for it. Yeah, uh, Frankincense, that's cool, priestly. Myrrh? Uh. I mean, but here's a lady who, when her baby was born, saw him wrapped in the trips of cloth that say, yeah. this one's to be sacrificed. A year and three months later, which I really love, I've got to say, yeah. a year and three months later to be given the gift of this one's going to be sacrificed. Yes. It is just in Mary's face and in Mary's here's face. Here's a woman who also was mm-hmm. pregnant not knowing a man. Yes. So something was up. You know what I mean? Like, yes. And she was just along for the ride. She was at God's uh, And you faith, know what? We always servant. talk about her with that. But do you realize we never talk about Joseph with that? Joseph, if you read in Matthew, he takes care of her during that time. The word that he mm. uses, he's taking care of her, which, I mean, we've, if you, I don't know if you have children, but we've, I, I know you do. And I can I love the time with my wife, those nine months when she was having those cravings and everything. You were wonderfully, sweetheart, but (laughs) to to be that, the opening time with your wife, and then to actually help in assisting the birth. And this, I I just, we don't give enough credit to what Joseph went through and what Joseph gave up to be the man of God that he was. Incredible. Mm -hmm. Well, guys, closing thoughts. Let's wrap this up here. I usually go to Paul for my... Man who does closing closing thoughts, but guys, if there's anything that maybe you, you wanted to cover and you didn't get to cover it, now would be the time. Um, but Robert, you want to? We'll go with you first, and then we'll go to Andy for closing thoughts here. Well, my closing thoughts. You know, I started off saying that uh, I celebrated the birth in a different day and on a different way. So we basically in Messianic Judaism celebrate the birth in the fall during the fall feast, any time between trumpets and uh, tabernacles, but there's some that celebrate on Hanukkah uh, in in December. So, am I against anybody celebrating this time of year? Absolutely not. But also, like we started, this time of year has become very secular, mm. and it, it's all about the wrong things. Unfortunately, I agree. Now that I do have a problem with. Yeah, people. 
have we've lost sight of what's important during yes. this during this Christmas season. Yes, and we should be bringing gifts to the King. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you guys the greatest gift that you can offer God is you. Yeah, what else do we have to bring? Yeah. He's not interested in our money. Mm-hmm. He's not interested in our credentials. He's not interested in our whatever we have. But God sent his son for you. Yeah. That's pretty incredible Mm -hmm. that God sent his son to die for you. Yeah. And all he wants is just for you to receive that free gift of God. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've never placed your trust in him, I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, Look deeper into the gospel because you'll find the greatest love story that has ever been recorded in all of time through Jesus Christ. Andy, closing thoughts. Um, just got to point out one last little thing, because once again, we were talking about how it only could be Jesus when we talked about the out of, you know, coming out of Egypt and all these things. One of the things I think is so neat in this, and we didn't discuss it, was that, is that Joseph is of the line of David and Mary is of the line of David. Um, Joseph traces his through David, through the son Solomon. And so he has kingly right. He has legal right to the throne, except you find out in Jeremiah, Jeconiah gets the blood curse put on him where no blood of his will sit on the throne again. And I'm sure Satan was dancing at that point, thinking nobody's going to be able to sit on the throne that's of that bloodline. But then you go to Mary through David. She goes through the son, Nathan, all the way up to Mary. So she has blood right to the throne of David. Mm. Joseph has legal right. And so when this betrothal took place that nobody else is thinking anything of in little Nazareth, where Joseph proposes to Mary, God is ordaining things outside of time to say, oh, my word, here is the one who is going to have legal right to this, blood right to this. It could only be Jesus. And for that to be the gift that we receive at Christmas, (laughs) praise his name. Amen. It can only be Jesus. Men, thank you all. Thank you for being part of the show today. Thank you for having me. Uh, uh, Olive Tree Messianic. Be sure to check those guys out. Madisonville Middle. Madisonville Middle, (laughs) FCA. We're so blessed to have you men serving in this community. This has been Truth Revival. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, Truth Revival 37385. Chappie, Mr. Nationwide. We We miss you, buddy. But we'll catch you on the flip side. God bless you guys. We're out of here. I had never gone that route, but I think you're, because I'd always, once I heard blowing the trumpets, I thought, we've nailed it.